podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted once again to be joined by Amy Canavan and Colin Watt for another episode of the Axon Bulletin. How are you doing, guys? Not too bad, thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Good, eh? Amy, you've been busy uh, developing your own show, The Soccer Supernova, and yesterday you interviewed two ex-Celts. Will you reveal who you interviewed? Give us a wee um, yeah. insight into a couple of your new episodes. Colin's freezing, which makes anticipation even better. Um, <laughs> I had Jock Brown in the afternoon, and then I had Mark Wilson, who I just absolutely love. I had Mark Wilson uh, last night, so yeah, he was one of the first players that obviously I can sort of remember, and I just I was just sort of infatuated by him. So yeah, it was great to have him one last night. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. Well, I'm going to ask a question, Amy, because I believe you probably had a poster of Matt Wilson up on your bedroom wall. Am I right? Mm. <laughs> I know. Kelly was like, that has to be mentioned. And I was like, no, it doesn't. But um, yeah, there's two players that made it. And uh, if the other one gets it, if, he, if I manage to get him on the show, then I'll be, I'll be dead. I'll just... Just name a fangirl. Name him. Right, who is it? What name? You know how it is. You Colin, who, Colin, what? Uh, who did you have in your bedroom wall? I can see that now on your bedroom wall there's Henrik Larson. But who did uh, you have on your bedroom wall as a kid? Oh, it was. I mean, when you're younger, it's definitely football orientated, um, mm. and it's it's definitely Henrik. There's a big poster of Henrik. As you get older, you know, I mean, certain celebrities make their way onto the wall. I'd say uh, Pixie Lot was my favourite, definitely. Interesting. Was, was, Mar- was, was that Pixie Lot? I know. Mings was Mark McNally when I was younger. Uh, Not. Now, there's plenty to discuss in relation to Celtic, as always. Interestingly enough, we have been seeing the the coverage that James McLean is getting for calling out the anti-Irish discrimination. it's about time, Colin, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously, we've had we've had discussions about it on Axom over the over the months and years that the podcast's been going. Celtic fans realise the, the the flack that Neil Lennon's had to put up with, um, and it's gone beyond flack. It's gone beyond that. It's gone to death threats. You know, it's gone to attacks in the street. It's gone to attacks in football stadiums. It's about time someone came out and stood up to it. So, uh, fair play to James McLean. Yeah, the the abuse that James McLean gets is is ridiculous. I mean, uh, the the argument I see from a lot of people, and I think it's a lot of uneducated people, is that he brings it on himself. I, I don't I don't get that. The guy is who he is. He makes no sort of qualms about it. He he goes out there and he tells you. And when it gets to November every year, there's a thing about oh James McLean's not wearing a poppy. Look, it's the same reason why he's not worn it for the last thirteen fourteen years. He's not just going to change his mind overnight. He has his beliefs and he sticks by them. And you know, you've got to uh, like kind of say to someone that is like that that sticks by their beliefs. Fair play to him. He's not bowing to the pressure that's round about him. But for the abuse that he gets, for the the fact that it's not just him, it's the rest of his family that gets death threats as well. 
Mm-hmm. It's absolutely abhorrent. And um, fair play to him. I, I don't know how he still managed to have the career that he's had um, with the abuse that he gets on a, a daily basis. It's it's really impressive, to be perfectly honest. I found it interesting. One of his uh, ex-Republic Island teammates, Kevin Colban, came out and said that, you know, what James McLean has done in relation to the wearing of the poppy is what many other players wanted to do. But they were uh, more or less, you know, not frightened, but maybe intimidated into not taking that stand. So when you look at this, Amy, the big question is, is this going to be um, the moment that that whole attitude is changed, that is called out, there is more publicity on it? Because I think, you know, for James McLean to come out and, and stand up uh, to that form of abuse is outstanding. Well done to James McLean. But it needs to have a positive impact, doesn't it? It's something, it's a message that needs to, uh, we need to bang that drum constantly, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, and you, you'll we'll never get tired of it. And it's not a case of, um, oh, he's he's having a moan or another player is now jumping on the bandwagon. No, please jump on the bandwagon. And it's um, like you say, it's absolutely right that these things carry on because I think what caught me most, uh, Colin touched on it there, it was everyone sort of goes, oh, he's a tough man, and he's you just look at him on the pitch, and I, I'm not here for that. The effects that he's having on his family, like his wife's statement, um, she put out on Twitter. That really, that really got to me. And you just, you, everyone has a family, if it be a wife or parents or, or children. That's it comes home. It's not just to him, and it's not just on the pitch in the stadium. It comes home. It comes back into his household. Um, nobody should be walking around thinking like one of these games and there's a gun to him. And that's just this is football, and it's, he's also not the only player. Like I know uh, Kevin Cobain's came out and said that men are wanting to take the stance and not wearing the poppy, but. You're reading the comments as well, and I was thinking that earlier. I'm sure when the Manu Mathis just came out and said that he doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't wear a poppy. I could be wrong, um, but I'm positive that he doesn't. So why does it that it's James McLean and it's Irish connections and it's always the same? And I know people think, or oh, Celtic fans and all that, they bring it on on themselves and it's always the poor me act. No, it's not. It's If it's there, it's there and it's plain to see why is, why is in the man... And I'm not saying that, oh, I want the man you manage to experience the same sort of abuse that, that McLean is, but there is just no continuity. Why does it have to... Why is it always the links to McLean? And it always has been, but it has to, it has to stop. It just has to. The campaign has to go on, Colin. This is a big thing. It's not a case of, as you say, every November there's a discussion around a decision not to wear the, the poppet. He's come out, you've seen him on the national news channels, the sports channels today, he's highlighting it, he's a brave man, and it's now time for that that message not to go away. That's that's key. I mean, obviously we can talk about an axon, but when you're seeing it on Sky Sports News as a recurring story all throughout the day, that shows you the impact of what James McLean has done. So, I mean, yeah. absolute f- fair play to him. Brave, brave man, well done. Yeah, and it's not just James McLean. There is others like him that are out there, just like Amy said, Nemanja Macic. Um, There's a lot of other players out there that get this abuse for what their beliefs are. Um, And football's to be a sport for all. It can't just be that there's ones that we we call out because of what their beliefs are. I mean, forget a shameless plug here, but last week on The Insomniac, I was speaking with Anthony Haggerty about the fact that there's very few male footballers who have come out as gay or bisexual. Um, and because, and they know they're not coming out because of the kind of abuse that they would get. And you're seeing what James McLean gets for wearing a poppy. Can you imagine what it was like if a footballer was to come out as gay? We have to be more accepting of people. Um, and the, the abuse that James McLean has got is completely abhorrent. Um, and it should be that we learn to accept people for their beliefs and for what they are. Absolutely. It's an interesting point you raised there because I remember many years ago there was a, a outstanding book came out called A Life Too Short which was written by Ronald Ring uh, and this was around the, the tragedy of Robert Enker. You'll remember the, the goalkeeper Robert Enker who committed suicide and there was a, an event in Edinburgh around the launch of that book. Uh, so Ronald Ring was being interviewed by Pat Nevin. Pat Nevin, who uh, obviously is an ex-Celtic supporter, not an ex-Celtic player. And uh, Pat Nevin spoke very, very well that night, all around some of the pressures that footballers face. So you're mentioning there uh, about female footballers not coming out as gay. But, I mean, 
footballers still feel as though there's a stigma around that, Colin. Male footballers in general. Um, you know, because obviously there are gay footballers and that shouldn't be an issue but you know there is still a stigma attached to that so hopefully you know the world is changing in such a such a way that this won't be an issue for our kids and for another generation and uh, James McLean as I said already um, massive respect for you for doing that now there's loads of great points already coming through via the social media channels on Facebook Twitter and YouTube and I think there's a lot of concerns uh, around the signing of uh, Liam Shaw uh, that uh, obviously has been announced. So let's have a look at some of the comments coming in. ASM1, I think Neil Lennon will be around next season. I think this is around the fact that Neil Lennon has obviously commented on the signature of the Sheffield United 19-year-old um, and it looks as though he's been part and parcel. So when he's been asked about the next transfer window, Colin, and, and uh, Neil Lennon's uh, way, he's come back saying, why wouldn't I be involved in the next transfer window business? So people um, are now questioning, how do you know that he's got an input? Well, Owen, there's a, there's a quote from Neil Lennon this morning where it's quite clear he's, he's had an input in the signing along with Nicky Hammond. Um, and in the crowds coming in on YouTube to say, does Lennon actually think he's going to be the manager next season? Scary stuff. Uh, as well as Darren coming in, Darren Foy. Major concerns, Lennon will be the manager for the first game of next season. And Kaplow Mark coming in on YouTube to say, should we be worried that the current manager is having input on future planning? Or is this an indication that he expects to be in place next season. Colin Watt, I'll come to you first on that. First and foremost, it's great that we're planning for next season. Of course it is. We're bringing in a, a very talented young player from Sheffield Wednesday. You've seen the reaction to him leaving. I remember a similar reaction when Leo Connor left Manchester United and we've never seen mm -hmm. hide nor hair of him. But uh, they're disappointed to be losing this uh, young player, this talented man who can play midfield or in defence and Celtic are going to be picking him up for a nominal development fee. So we'll get back to the player in a moment or two what's your concerns around Neil Lennon having a part to play in the signing uh, for this signing I'm not overly concerned um, just speaking about Liam himself 19 years old he's only made 17 appearances for Sheffield Wednesday um, and he's kind of been thrown in this season as they're going through a relegation dogfight very similar to the signing of Luca Connell when he made his move up to Celtic Park both players having their contracts sort of running down towards the end of the season picking them up for a nominal fee um, I think the fee is around £300,000 I don't think you'll see a lot of Liam Shaw next season I don't think he'll be one that will be going straight into the first team I think there's a bit of development that we'll see from them and I think that was part of the reason that he decided to sign for Celtic um, the, the kind of bits that you're hearing is that he heard about his development and where he was going to fit in um, and that's why he made the move up here I still don't think it suggests that Neil Lennon will be here next season um, it, it goes from earlier on this week the review coming out and saying that the managerial position is still being reviewed to then signing someone that's kind of a young player that will come in um, considering we've lost a lot, a lot of young players and we're going to lose even more I think this is a bit of a restock in that department. Um, I don't expect to see a lot of Liam Shaw in the first team next season. I don't think he was signed as a first team player. Um, and for that reason, I'd be less concerned um, about Neil Lennon potentially taking charge next year. Loads of concerns coming in, Amy. Colin is less concerned due to the nature of the signing. What's your thoughts? Because, I mean, obviously the message is coming out of Celtic from Neil Lennon, from the interim report, from the chairman's message, and from his comments uh, around this particular signing. Everything points to Neil Lennon still being at the helm next season. Is that how you're reading it? To be honest, I'm kind of like Colin. I think I'm trying to be a bit more optimistic. I think if it was... See, if it was like a foreigner who we were sort of unaware of, then I think I'd be a bit concerned and it would look like it's along the lines of, like, this is a Lennon deal. But Liam Shaw's, obviously, I've seen, I have to say, I have seen little bits of him, but um, he, sort of, he gets very high praise, Gary Monk, Tony Pulis. He comes across as almost sort of what any manager would want. I'm just... What I'm trying to say is, is I don't, uh, no matter who came in ne next, if somebody comes in next season, you sort of have to hope that he would still appeal 
to Liam Shaw and Liam Shaw would still appeal to him. Like I say, if it was some we've got from some Bulgarian third division then that Lenin sought out, then I'd be a little bit concerned and it would look along the lines that yeah, I think that's a Lenin deal that. But this is this is a more promising prospect and I think that's what fundamentally is, is a prospect that big clubs and a lot of English clubs have been looking for him. That means there has to be something there. Um so no, I'm not totally cons- the signing of him does not concern me that Lennon will still be in charge next year. I have other concerns about that, but not just the deal that this that this deal being done. That's not um, changed my changed my mind on that. Well, we have been looking at uh, these concerns because you know when when we're looking at the the output from the club, I think everything points to the fact that no hasty or rash decisions are going to be made. We've all resigned ourselves to the fact that Neil Lennon will certainly be here till the end of the season. Colin, you've got to be smirk on your face, which is nice to see. And um, yeah, it's the uh, sorry, Paul. Just on the the rash and uh, decisions that you regret. Would that consider given the the manager his job whilst he's in the showers at Hamden? Would that be a rash decision? Yeah, I know. That's been brought up quite a few times. And I've already said this, and not because I have any inside information on it. I actually don't think that happened. I really don't. And I don't think the the uh, CVs in the drawer happened either. I just think that was just an attitude around about that time of complacency, a wee bit of arrogance as well. Um, we didn't look at any CVs coming in. Well, that's gr- gross negligence. If you're appointing a manager and you don't look at Rafa Benitez's CV that's sitting in your drawer, that's negligence. So I don't think that happened. I just, you know, it's one of these things that has grown arms and legs over the over the piece. It sounded good at the time, but it actually didn't sound good at the time. Um, and people are now calling it the JR moment. I mean, there, there's a thing that will go right over your two heads: the JR moment in Dallas, where um, something happened in the shower. You'll need to check that one back. Uh, that shows that I was an '80s and a '90s kid. But I, I am a wee bit concerned. I've got to say because. There's this whole planning process, and we've already spoken about how you know the CEO has been announced, and Dominic McKay will be coming in. The director. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's time to take control of your investing education. TD Ameritrade's fully immersive curriculum includes a wide range of educational resources to match your preferred style of learning. Rated best in class education 2022 by stockbrokers.com. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash education resources. Football, there's been loads of names mentioned. I mean, we've, we've heard quite a few names over the, over the last few weeks in relation to the runners and the riders in that department. And only then do you feel that we could make that decision on the manager. But the big concern, of course, is the whole squad needs assessed. There's going to be loads of players leaving, apparently, in the summer. And, you know, if Neil Lennon's even going to be in place on an interim basis until we get through that pre-season, get through the qualifiers, I wouldn't be satisfied with that, personally. Um, now, I've noticed, obviously, there's a new kind of movement. I, I noticed yesterday there's a new movement online, Colin, whereby um, a group is trying to have like a, an umbrella effect and bring Celtic supporters clubs and affiliations and podcasters together um, to see, you know, this, this kind of shared momentum, if you like, um, to see if we can bring Celtic groups together to have a, a bigger and wider kind of say and influence in what happens at the club when this this happens Colin when you see that kind of movement online what's your thoughts do you think that that's doable do you think it's all too fragmented at the moment with um, the Celtic support and how we're feeling I I don't know I think the the kind of fragmented thing is what they're trying to go over by trying to bring all these groups together it was interesting to see that um, the kind of the team that's behind it as such is meant to be the Green Brigade um, and they're working with the Celtic Trust. A lot of people saying, is this not what the Celtic Trust is trying to do? But then you saw the Celtic Trust retweeting and talking about the, the movement. So it's obviously part of their um, plan to try and get as many supporters groups together. Look, the people's voice at Celtic should not be underestimated. The, the fan power that we should have um, as a collective should be strong enough to get a point across. So far, that hasn't been the case. Now, there's been protests here and there 
from different groups. There's been fans at the stadium. There's been some things that went over the top, and we, we all agree on that. Um, but United as a Celtic support, it can't go unnoticed um, how badly managed we have been this season mm-hmm. and how much there is a sort of... I'm trying to find the, the right word for this here, but there's an appetite for change. And it's not just from a small percentage. It's from quite a big majority of Celtic fans that there's an appetite for change. Even the most ardent Neil Lennon supporter will admit that this season has been a complete shambles. And for the sake of himself, they'd rather see him move on from the Celtic job. Mm. It's not a bad idea to try and get as many of those voices together. And I'm sure um, guys even like JP Taylor at the club would like to have correspondence with just this one group instead of the amount of emails he must receive on a daily basis on this topic Mm. if it comes together and it works and there's change being made then it's a fantastic initiative Um, and it's just another way for Celtic fans to get their points across I'm I'm making sure that I don't have a a, a sharp intake of breath before I start my sentence but um, when we look at the, for example, the movement Fans Against Criminalisation, you'll remember how successful that was when we were looking at the um, the offensive behaviour of the Football Act and, you know, the you know, tireless work that they did to overturn that piece of legislation, which was eventually overturned and quite rightly so. But there were various groups involved with that, Colin, so you quite rightly say that the Green Brigade have already pinned their colours to the mast on this one, as have the Celtic Trust. And I think what it's about is uh, creating uh, a movement very much like the FCA, if you like, um, whereby all these different organisations could be influential and behind it, but let's let's kind of, you know, refashion it, let's redesign it, this is a new movement so it'll be interesting to see how that develops but I I take what you say, I mean the Celtic fans voice cannot be underestimated and I think that up until this point Amy, before we get back onto the subject of a new signing, I mean, it'd be great to have a little sprinkling of football chat on the Axon podcast from time to time. When you look at the the voice of the fans, it seems to me as though the, the chairman his board members and the club as a whole are a bit out of touch when it comes to engagement. Now we've spoken about that, we've criticised the club for it but again, we've seen it this week Monday morning, they drop a chairman statement and they think, alright, we've fed that that problem for a while, we've thrown a, a log on the fire and that'll be fine. It's not fine. I mean, it's just simply not good enough is it? No, I think, and I've said it time and time again, it's just like pacifying generally they treat us like toddlers instead of pacifying and it'll shut them up for a while. That's the sort. That's the way that I perceive it. Um, and it is, and it's just like you're just getting treated like kids, um, and just like sort of like nobody's like you would never un, you would never realise that fans need to dig into their pockets, and they're still so they will still expect fans to do that, even the way the way they're being treated. Um, and it just speaks volumes for the that attitude of the club that we've, which we've seen time and time again, and that attitude just stinks. Now, the unfortunate thing here is because of the disappointment, and there is a fractured nature calling to the support at the moment. You see a lot of people falling out online, and um, you know I see that quite a lot in my Twitter feed. They're usually falling out with me. But um, what we all want is we all want the best for Celtic. We want Celtic to be successful. We want Celtic to develop. We want you know us to grow. And I think when you're looking at a, a signing like Liam Shaw, so you've got Liam Shaw coming in. And, you know, is he a project signing? Is he one for the future? Or are things going to be so different next season that players like Liam Shaw, Leo Connell and Luca Connell, uh, not to be confused, uh, are these guys now going to be in the frame? Are they going to be more viewed as first teamers? Are we going to bring people back from loan? that hitherto would not be considered first-team players, let's say, like, you know, Bio, Sved and Jack Henry, for example, guys who you've maybe written off, are they now going to be assessed? Are they going to be part of the, 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 the team next season? What do you think? Or is there going to be really a deluge of players, including fringe players, who leave the club? That would only be the case, I think, if there was a new manager to come in. If... Kind of the worst case scenario happens, and Neil Lennon's still in charge by pre-season. Um, there's no chance these guys are getting back in, no matter what they do on their loan spells. And a lot of these loan spells also have the obligations um, to buy, or not the obligation, the option to buy. 
So I think Jack Henry's is around two million pounds. Bios is about the same. Uh, Schwed, I'm not too sure about. But if the, these guys are performing for the teams that are out on loan, on just like anybody we've had at Celtic Park has been on loan, there's an appetite for the fans that they want to sign them on a permanent deal. Yeah. Um, so w- I don't think it will be very likely that we'll see someone like Jack Henry or Marion Schwed play a key part next season. Um, guys that I can maybe see coming back into the frame, guys like Leo Connor, um, who was part of the Tranmere side last night that made it to the EFL Cup final, guys like Scott Robertson, um, and even guys like Ken McEnroy that are on loan at Dunfermline. Mm. These are the kind of guys that could potentially come back into the frame in pre-season to stake their claim for a jersey. For me, I still think it was a big mistake from Celtic not to try and loan out some of these players to teams that are in um, our league in the SPFL in the Premiership. We should have been trying to loan these guys out to St Johnston's, to Hamilton's, to to Livingston's, to team like, teams like that. You saw what happened um, the other day against St Johnston. They bring on um, the boy Middleton, Glenn Middleton, and he's trying so hard because, one, he's a Rangers player, and two, he wants to try and score against Celtic. Um, and he was probably a really good impact sub to have. We've not done that this season. We've not sent anybody out there that can't play against Celtic, but can play against other teams that can give us a better chance of teams like Rangers dropping points because they're going to have a, a stronger team to play against. Listen, Colin, it's an interesting point because it was raised... I think via social media just the other day talking about you know margins it could be the margin of a player that you send to Aberdeen or Hibs who is able to you know win a penalty score a winner whatever it might be because it comes down to margins now I know that in the latest uh, press conference that Neil Lennon gave his quote was we won't give up just yet when we're talking about 10 in a row when we're talking about the league it would be an absolute capitulation on the part of Rangers for Celtic to get back into this we all know that we're all realistic but as you say Colin we Celtic have, have had uh, a squad there that needed trimmed back in January and the players go to all different sides of Europe you've got Bayo playing in the second division in France Fred playing for Mechelen Jack Henry playing in Belgium etc but yeah I get what you say I get what you mean there and people might say well you know why you know why would Tibbs or Aberdeen want three Celtic? Well, I'm pretty sure that they could. You know, they could. And there is a rule that, obviously, the the, the team that takes a player on loan has to play, pay a part of their wages, but that part can be as little as one pound. There's, there's clubs actually getting players and they're paying one pound of their wages. Um, on the point of Kerr McEnroy, uh, my par's contacts have been very, very impressed with his performances at East End Park. Uh, you've got guys like if, uh, Offalabi at, at Dundee. Are they ever going to make it at Celtic? Who knows? But, you know, they might be able to influence something within our league. But uh, obviously it's not something we've done all that often. Now, the reason I brought up the um, the fact that people disagree and there's different fractions is we've actually been called the Axom cult from time to time. Um, almost as if you're only allowed to come on to this show if you've got the same opinion as me, which obviously is not the case. Colin, you and I disagree regularly, as do uh, Kevin Graham and myself or Lawrence and myself. And uh, it's all about healthy debate. But someone did suggest today, Colin, on the subject of cults, why don't we have a cult icons episode? They've obviously not been watching Axon for longer than the last six months because we had a massive cult icons show about a year ago. I can't remember who made it into the cult icons team, but it's something we might revisit because since then, obviously, loads of new viewers have tuned in. So even if you want us to interview a cult hero, let me know who and we'll track them down because we've been in touch with guys like Paddy McCourt. Enrico Anoni, some of these cult players from from yesteryear, um, and obviously we lost a, a cult player fairly recently in Shuggy Edvalds, and he was always a bit of a cult player. In fact, I think he made it into my cult eleven, Colin. I'd need to check the tweets, yeah, yeah. but we yeah. might look back into that. So, Amy, I mean, the Axom cult. What's that all about? I don't know. Um... Did you not get the memo? Did you not get the memo I about that? I didn't get the memo about that, so I don't know. Interesting. Now, moving on to uh, Nicky McManus. This is interesting. So Lennon has come out and said there there are mitigating circumstances this season, but they are a secret. 
what the hell is going on at our club? I did find this quite interesting. <laughs> Helen McCallum comes in to say, Neil Lennon, there are mitigating circumstances which I can't reveal. What does that mean? That jumped out at me when I when I seen that today because obviously we've heard a lot about mitigating circumstances, Amy, and yes, I take it on board. I think there's been mitigating circumstances that have affected almost every team this season. Um, Celtic, yeah, we've been hard hit by COVID. Of course we have. We've also been hard hit by long-term injury problems to key players. But again, you've got to take that on the chin. We've just been speaking about how big our squad is. We should have been able to deal with players being missing. The Dubai trip and the aftermath of that, you know, that's going to be difficult. And I think we will rue the six points that we lost on the back of that particular trip as well in January. I mean, the St Mirren one, we can't really blame Dubai on that. Um, but I think the two games against Livy and the, the Hibs game, you know, with the youngsters playing in two of those games and then the first teamers coming back having not had the high tempo training, I think six points are due to Dubai, personally. That's what I feel. Um, will the, the gap be six points? Well, it'll be pretty frustrating at, uh, frustrating at the end of the season if it was. What did you make of those comments by Lenny? Again, are we just reading too much into every single word that comes out of Celtic Park? Or has there been other things happening behind the scenes that have resulted in the poor performances and results that we are simply not aware of I don't know fundamentally for me though players aren't performing and that's then like you can say that there's as many behind the scenes scenarios going on in different circumstances but at the end of the day there's 11 players on that pitch and they are not performing um, it's not that drastic a change from last season um, there's maybe a few personnel changes obviously the biggest one is the goalkeeper and I'm just repeating myself and repeating what everybody on this on this podcast says but at the end of the day, the players are not performing. I don't care if Ryan Christie was out for one game or two games because of COVID. There are plenty of other midfielders who can come in and do a job. Celtic were not getting the wins and we're not putting the performances in. Um, and I think everything else is a bit of excuses. If there are um, mitigating circumstances, don't just then say, but I can't release some. Don't say it's a secret because, again, it's just, I, I personally find that quite childish and quite pathetic and I just I just get bored. I quite quickly get bored with Lennon. Um, now, and yeah, you could maybe read into it too much, but maybe I'm not reading into it enough. And I just sort of go, he's just, it's just another excuse. He's just trying to kill time, I think, in press conference by, by saying something like um, building up, anticipating that he's going to come out and say something, but he never really does. And then he shuts it down when it gets it's the nitty gritty, he shuts it down. At the end of the day, the performances haven't been there, and that's what's um, lost the league. Chris1980 comes in on YouTube to uh, pick up on that point. Another bizarre com comment from Lennon. Are you something behind the scenes? No content. Just leaves more questions for fans. That's why we're discussing it today. Although it seems more deflection. Colin, I mean, I guess you could go a layer even deeper and say, is it uh, behind the scenes issues that don't exist uh, at Celtic? Is it elsewhere? I, I don't know. I mean, Amy's spot on. It's excuse after excuse and I'm bored of them now. I feel as if he's just coming out and trolling the fans just by saying, oh, I know what's happening, but I can't tell you. It's like, come on, all we've asked for all season is engagement from the club about what's going on, what to do. You've got to get us back on side. And coming out and saying, uh, oh, well, we know what's happened, but we can't tell you, that, that's just appalling. It's, it's, it's terrible. And it's just an, Exactly. It's the, he is the king of deflection, as someone said in the comments earlier on. It's just passing things off. And I feel as though when everything's going well, he wants to take the credit, but he never wants to take the blame when something is not going his way. It's always someone else's fault. He, he, stu he stood there and or he sat there in October and said, if it ever got to the point where this season it was out of our control and performances um, were going right downhill, he would hold his hands up, accept responsibility. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Possibility and walk away. We're like 20 odd, we're 20 points behind Rangers. We're out of the League Cup. We're out of Europe twice. We might not even have the Scottish Cup this season. And the kind of golden 10, as he referred to it in his press conference, 
um, is out of our reach. Surely that is the point where you say, hands up, I'm sorry, I'm walking away. We won't give up just yet, was the exact quote in relation to the Golden Ten. Um, the reason I was leaning out shot there in my new green screen tinged um, camera was that uh, Sky Sports released breaking news in relation to the Rangers' COVID issue. And there's a quote there that's appeared on the screen. I'm pretty sure some of the viewers will be aware of this, that uh, it involves five players at Ibrox, five players uh, on a COVID breach. And they're dealing with that internally in terms of a fine. And they're in liaison with the Scottish Football Authorities and also the Scottish Government. Um, And they are now preparing, or continuing to prepare for their European game on Thursday night. Now, this is something, Colin, we did discuss yesterday and you know we're not repeating ourselves because there's been a development on this do you feel that Celtic um, have been dealt with in the same manner um, uh, as other clubs in relation to Covid breaches has there been a lack of consistency when it comes to the Scottish Government and football in Scotland I'll be interested to see the outcome of this one first before kind of passing any judgement on that and I know when it was brought up to Sturgeon the other day she basically said to get your, your house in order for, for football across the board. But that was still ongoing and you are only just found out today who the players are. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that first. If you take that out of the equation and look at the other breaches so far this season, um, I think football across Scotland doesn't know how to handle things. You look at the, I think it's St Mirren, that were forced to um, give up two games this season because of alleged breaches. They take it to the courts, they take it to the SFA, and then they've still got to replay these games. The left hand doesn't tell them the right hand what to do in terms of this. And it's just, I think, the bigger the team is, the easier it is for these authorities to come out and speak about it, and the easier it is for them to kind of try and cast judgment and make an example of these teams. Well, again, we're, we're looking at uh, the story as it happens, so it will be interesting, as you say, Colin, to see what the outcome of that is and um, you know what, what the repercussions are of Rangers in relation to that breach. Um, as you were saying there, the five players have been named uh, by Stephen Gerrard as well. So, Amy, we're looking ahead, we're looking um, towards tonight's game. Uh, before we do that, because we've been talking about the manager, I'm going to bring this up from Adam Crockett. Uh, on the subject of a new manager talk as Clark has agreed with Maloney any news guys well when it comes to news when it comes to news uh, there's a real balance to strike on a Celtic state of mind Colin because we're fed news all the time all the time we're fed news we're fed rumour we're fed um, intelligence if you could call it that from various sources right Um, so you've got to be very careful with that because obviously you could throw something out there and make yourself look a bit silly. So when it comes down to Maloney, I've noticed that Sean Maloney's name has been mentioned time and time again. For example, the big example I always use is Brennan Rogers. Kevin Graham and I were told by Alan McAnally in January before he left that Brennan Rogers was going to Leicester. So instead of saying, right, brilliant, a bit of clickbait, let's get some clicks off the back of that, we couldn't prove that that was going to happen. That was just somebody telling us that that was going to happen. So we didn't say anything until after the event. But it wasn't a case of, I told you so, because we didn't reveal it on a Celtic state of mind. I was as shocked as anyone when I eventually did leave uh, that day for Leicester City. So you've got to be very careful about the kind of information that's fed into you. There are a few very good sources. And I remember back in October, Colin, when uh, Kevin Graham put me on the spot and said, who would you like as a Celtic manager? And remember, I picked... You know, Martinez and Maloney. Um, and people laughed and scoffed and probably uh, switched off at that point. But the the fact was, at that time, I had been advised that Celtic had sounded out a few different managers um, around about that time. And one of them was Alex Neal at Preston. And uh, the other ones, believe it or not, was Martinez and Maloney at that time. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. If Maloney was to um, be unveiled as a Celtic coach... Colin, what would your thoughts be on that? Obviously, he part of his development in terms of coaching was at Celtic Park, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's done enough to have the manager's job. You know, it would basically be a rookie manager. Should he be part of a coaching setup? So I think the discussion there was that it's potentially going to be himself and Stevie Clark. Now, if that's the kind of team that you're putting together, that's that's a very good team. Um, you saw what Stevie Clark can get out of basically an average set of players at both Kilmarnock and at Scotland. Um, You're getting the performances that go beyond the level that they should be at. Sean Maloney's had a really good grounding as well. 
Um, the fact that he's been working under Roberto Martinez, he's been working with some of the, the best players in the world. He's seen the training methods that they're doing there. Um, so there's a... Okay. Um, there's now, Colin, a, Colin, anybody from my era knows where this is coming from with Roy Croppy's She Sell Sanctuary. YouTube it, mate. YouTube it. It's the cult. We're talking about the Axon cult, all right? Okay. Uh, back to Sean Maloney, though, um, who isn't part of the Axon cult. Uh, I, th- I think he's obviously going to be one of these ones that you see um, that's building a future for himself. The kind of analysis that he was offering on Celtic TV the other night was very, very good as well. You could see it's someone that's got a very good footballing brain. Um, and that's something we've been lacking at the club since uh, Rogers left. It's people with good football brains, um, not people that are just hired because of who their family are or because of who their pals are. Um, we need people that are actually football-minded. You take a look at Rangers this season, they've put, or even over the last couple of seasons, they've brought in Steven Gerrard, and a big name to attract players to the club. But behind that, they've got guys like Michael Beale, they've got Gary McAllister, guys that have got a really good football coaching background. Um, and that's what's worked for them. It's about time that we did the same at Celtic and brought in guys that are highly respected um, and also who have a very good football and brain. Amy, I'm going to come over to yourself. Again, we're speculating. Can you see a situation where there is a new managerial setup, there are new bodies coming in, but Neil Lennon's part of that? Can you see a future whereby Neil Lennon is part of a new setup, but he's supplemented by other coaches coming in, for example? We know that that's a discussion point all season. Lennon didn't pick his coaches. Great point by Seltzer here last night on Twitter. He knew that was the situation when he came in. He knew that was the situation when he left first time round because Ronnie Dyler was coming in as his number two. He was unhappy with that, and that thereafter started his departure from Celtic. So can you see that being something going forward? Neil Lennon's still there, but new coaches coming in to assist the running of the, the football side? That is the worst question I've ever been asked. Um, Thank you. That is, no worries. That is, that's a fear. That is, I, if he goes, I, I want him away. He needs, I just need a bit of a rest from him, I really do. Um, no, I don't. Me? Me or Neil Lennon? No, Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon. Right, right. I, um, I don't even know how to answer that because I really don't even want to think of that. That, I just know. It, it has to be fresh. Um, it really does. That's, that is actually the fear. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you why I'm asking that question because, you know, former Celtic players, teammates of, or at least one teammate of Neil Lennon, was approached by Celtic this season to go in and assist in the coaching setup for a number of different reasons. One being to support Lenny. He's a Lenny he's a he's a Lenny cohort, if you like. Uh, but also to have more of that Celtic link in terms of the um the coaching setup that, that Neil Lennon may have assembled himself. That didn't happen. We know that. There was no change. But that that was an approach to a former Celt. Can you see that being part of the restructure, Colin, or does that give you the fear as well? Well, with Lenny still being involved? Mm. Yeah, no. What has he got to offer to Celtic that we've not already seen? It's not as if he's going to slip into a director of football role and suddenly he's the best thing since sliced bread. He's had his time at Celtic. He's been here twice now. At the, the natural end of his first term, the football wasn't great. The performances weren't great. And it was his time to move on. And we, we all kind of knew that. We, we knew he, he couldn't go on much further than what he had done. You're almost at that. In fact, you're probably past that natural conclusion again this time round. I don't want another Craig Levine scenario where he slips into a director of football role and he's still got a control over the team. You need a complete fresh start. Mm. Maravchik comes in to suggest that the squad is splintered into four or five camps. Could that be the reason... Um, could that be the subject rather that Neil Lennon didn't want to reveal I mean that would be pretty damaging if it was the case but um, we do have a game tonight it's an early enough kickoff. Colin 6 o'clock Aberdeen how do you see that one going do you see any changes being made will we play with two up front and if so does Ryan Christie keep his jersey do we drop Tom Rogic how do you see the team selection and that game going this evening I would like to see us go back to playing two up front. I thought it was very strange that we dropped Albion a Yeti, despite the fact that we kind of appealed his, his ban and then as soon as you get appealed, you drop him. Um, you've got to try and give him that chance again. Um, I think 
playing two up front at home is what I'd like to see. Um, there was a really good discussion with someone in the, the comment section from the post game the other day um, when I was speaking about what I'd like to see from the Aberdeen game and he was trying to play out the scenario. But I'd, I'd like to see Mikey Johnson at the tip of that diamond tonight. Um, the reason I'd like to see that is I think he could play that three role across the line where he can help the, the fullbacks on both sides. He's very good on both feet. He can cut inside, he can get a crossover, double up on their fullbacks, and then in the middle of the park, I'd like to see um, McGregor, Turnbull, and either Sorrow or Brown in there so that they can control the midfield. Build the partnership up front, get the service to them from the wide areas, um, and at the back, I'd like to see Stephen Welsh, if he's fit, to come back into the side um, to play alongside Chris Ayer. What about yourself, Amy? Uh, this evening, it's a team that, for me, I think the flatter to deceive this season. I'm talking about Aberdeen or Celtic, um, and I would expect I would expect Celtic to win tonight. I really do, and uh, I would hope that Eduard continues in his fine uh, vein of goal scoring form. But I would like to see him up top with with a fellow striker. And at this moment in time, I'd be playing a Yeti alongside Eduard. I think that um, Griffiths has let us down this season. You know, his fitness issues um, and beyond having that level of sympathy that I maybe had before in, in relation to that. And I don't think he's a first pick. I would have a Yeti. I would see, and I know it's going to be a short term partnership because Edward, uh, there's a likelihood that he'll be off in the summer. But I'd like to see they two spark up um, a partnership between now and the end of the season. Uh, Tommy Rogic, I've already mentioned, would make way for me um, for a Yeti. And what about Welsh? Will we, will we see a reintroduction of Welsh? Colin, has that been confirmed? He's in the running for night? He's definitely in training so hopefully he'll be in amongst the, the squad. If he's fit I'd play him. That, that, that is just the scenario we find ourselves in now. Um, I would drop Duffy and bring Welsh in. What about yourself Amy? What's your thoughts yeah, on tonight? I would, um, yeah I'd drop Duffy and bring Welsh back in I think there's not a Celtic man in the country that wouldn't do that. Um, I disagree with Colin at the tip of the um, the tip of the diamond. I just want to see David Turnbull there. I don't like it the weekend, and I don't like previously. Um, I don't personally. I don't mind Tom Rogic. I'm more than happy to see him kicking around because um, it's for those moments of mag- magic, magic. But um, I, God, that was hard. I don't like him just getting shoehorned in just for the sake of all his favourite players being in, and I don't like David Turnbull who is. Our most, he's just the most creative player, most influential player. I don't like him being out of position. And the tip of the diamond is the best position for him. So, yeah, I'd have him in. If Mikey Johnson is, is, is in, I'd have him on the wing. Um, but uh, like you, I would have two up top, a Yeti. As Colin said, what's the point in appealing the band? Bring him back for a game after the band, but then drop him. It's just no reason we needed this continuity. Give him some game time. Um, I just don't understand dropping him just so he can shoe, literally shoehorn in all his midfield favourites basically mm-hmm. there's still obviously um, discussions around the Celtic manager's post which at the moment is filled but would you take John Hughes as a manager Terence Pat asked the question I like John Hughes um, he's been on a axiom I think I've got a lot of time for him but no I don't think he is the man to take this club forward that's just my opinion and Steve Clark is getting a lot of positive kind of response but I think that Steve Clark along with someone like Sean Maloney actually doesn't sound like a bad team and again it's difficult to just chuck um, a team together Colin because the chemistry might not be there they might not uh, complement each other's working style but on paper it seems like a good one now I'm also looking at uh, some of the comments coming in in relation to Dubai now we were talking about consistency maybe the consistency that um, we've seen when Celtic were dealt with over the bowling golly scandal and Aberdeen's players were dealt with and now obviously there's another scandal brewing um, at Ibrox. David Kelly reminds us that Celtic didn't break any rules for Dubai. Not that I agree with the trip, absolutely David. Um, although we didn't break the rules, we shot ourselves in the foot, didn't we, when obviously Julien comes back um, and then people are isolating and we have to go into important games with a weakened squad and you know Mamansis 67 comes in Dubai wasn't a breach in the guidelines but we were vilified in the media and made national news Rangers players breach guidelines and it is Scottish media barely report it um, a consistency within the Scottish media you were speaking to someone earlier on on your show Colin uh, Anthony Joseph who I follow yep. with interest on Twitter always comes away with you know some 
very interesting uh, takes on all things Celtic. Tell us a wee bit about your interview with Anthony, because obviously he's he's in uh, he's in amongst the, the the Scottish media having uh, at the moment working for Sky Sports. Yeah, it was a really good interview. If anyone hasn't caught it, they'll be able to see it on the channel. Um, he, he was very open about his experiences within journalism, um, basically admitting to the point where he didn't really come out as a Celtic fan within the journalism space until he moved to, to London and until he moved to, to work for Sky. Um, but he, he appreciates and he understands that there needs to be an acceptance of journalists that come out and say, I'm actually a Celtic fan. I'm not a St Mirren fan. I'm not a East Stirling fan. You just have to be um, who you are. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic interview, given a lot of in-depth about how he started his journalistic career. And for anyone that's looking to become a journalism, uh, or sorry, to become a journalist or have a career in journalism, um, it's definitely one to check out. Uh, so thanks for bringing that up, Paul. Two plugs in one show, Amy. Uh, John, John J. Donnelly, 67, comes in to say, treated differently by media, most certainly. Uh, JP, you have a platform on Sky Sports News to speak. The thing with that, and obviously Natasha was on Sky Sports on Monday, I think it was, is that the broadcast, the mainstream broadcast media and uh, what would previously be called print media, are getting in touch with Celtic platforms. They are getting in touch with fans. And what you generally find is, it's like on Monday there, Sky Sports will speak to an ex-player, and it was Mark Wilson, one of Amy's favourites. And then he spoke to a Celtic season ticket holder who just so happens to be also on a Celtic state of mind. But what you've got to realise, and I'm not stating the obvious or being patronising here, but if, for example, um, you were speaking to Sky Sports and you're giving your view over in relation to uh, the chairman's message, for example, the interim results, Neil Lennon's position, um, etc. If you were to work into that answer, um, about the inconsistencies of uh, the media's treatment of Celtic versus Rangers or the officials in Scottish football or indeed the Scottish government and the way that they've dealt with the COVID outbreaks in Scottish football, what are the chances that that footage would be used? This isn't a live broadcast and I know that Sky Sports, for example, uh, often it, it looks live, it looks as though let's go to Celtic Park and there's Charles Patterson but the, these are pre-recorded and pre-edited so if for example there's a story it will be very much in that vein there's no way that's going to deviate from that and that's why very few and far between do you have issues on Sky Sports with people going rogue because obviously it's a very controlled environment so just for everybody out there um, yeah it is a very controlled environment in relation to that but you are in control of what you say but obviously it is chosen by an editor uh, and the production team at that show as to what they actually put out, Colin. Yeah, and just a point I'd like to make on that, for anyone that's watching or anyone that's seen the comments, um, first of all, a big thank you to everyone who's um, put some nice comments in for Natasha. It was a, a very good interview. But people that came out with some of the abuse that she was receiving, take a look at yourselves. I mean, she, she was asked about her opinion. Everyone says that fans don't have the chance to air their views. And here is a girl that was given the chance to go on and air her views. And some of the comments were just absolutely ridiculous. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, um, it's that septic um, cesspit that you get on social media from time to time. Social media is brilliant um, in some respects, but then... The flip side of that is exactly what you've said there, Colin. And we opened up the discussion today talking about James McLean and obviously what he's come out and said. Um, is it difficult, Amy, for females in the world of media? Because obviously you're embarking on a career yourself in media. Is it difficult? Because I've seen some of the comments, it's like, oh, she speaks really well for a girl. And you think, wow, really? I mean, how difficult is it for you? Obviously, you've come onto this platform and your career will uh, continue uh, beyond your studies, etc. But it is, it's still an issue in this day and age, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and I've massive, like I've spoke to Natasha, uh, I thought she'd done brilliant. And, and you just got to give her massive credit. It's just one of these things, uh, we've said it, um, the three girls um, and anyone who I'm at university with as well, I'm the only one that's sort of going for um, a career in sport and specifically football, but Say my opinion is rubbish. I have got no qualms with that. Don't just don't agree with me. I've got, like I say, I've got a dad and a brother who do not agree with anything that I say. You can totally take that 
I'm not asking you to, but it's that's I've, I've spoke to you about it as well. But one of the worst things is, oh, she's got a good opinion for a girl. Why do you need to chuck him for a girl? It's just one of these rank scenarios that still it is still so prevalent. Um, you put out a tweet, it can do well, but you'll still go, oh, it's you're a girl. You're not doing your research because then this, that, and whatever. Um, you get comments on here. The three of us get them. Myself, Natasha, and Laura, we all get them. Um, you get ones coming through all the time the way that we look the way that we present ourselves but like you see I think the worst one is oh you make a good point for a girl why add that um, I had one a few weeks ago you know about it um, through my other work at Bonner Grows that's why women shouldn't commentate I was doing a bit of commentary work um, and a Scottish cup tie and yeah you get why should they well, so that, this is why women shouldn't commentate on a game I don't understand what, what am I seeing different to your two eyes but what what was the sex of the co-commentator on Hamilton Aki's television, Colin, who spoke about jobbies? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a male. Um, what was his name? Bobby something. Um, if you've not seen that, it's uh, one of the highlights of the season so far. Um, and I feel sorry for Anthony Haggerty, uh, who was alongside him that I had to put up with listening to someone talking about jobbies. Um, you could see him trying to move on so quickly and this guy just would not let go. Um, but no, do you know what? Just following up from what Amy says, and we see these comments because people think that you just put a, a comment out there and no one will see it. But, I mean, w- without kind of giving too much away of what happens behind the scenes, we see these comments and we laugh at them afterwards. We make fun of them. So yeah, Colin sends me the wall. Yeah, <laughs> you're not getting anybody down. We're we're taking we're taking the Mickey out of you. So like, but like, let's be honest. There's no place in modern football for this. You, a, a person who's commentating is a commentator, no matter of what age, what um, gender, what kind of sexual orientation they are. They're giving their view on football, and your views should be on what they say and not who they are. Mm, absolutely and again just keep the lookalikes coming in for me because I find them very amusing <laughs> my personal favourite is um, Leanne Dempster but um, Hugh Anthony Riley comes in to say I'm proud to be part of the Axom cult so am I Hugh uh, the deep breathing cult sign me up says Philip DeMarco and yeah absolutely you've got to take all of that uh, with a touch of so, Charles Manson, was he known a cult? He was, actually, Charlie Manson. Yeah, The Family, a great book called Helter Skelter, if you've not read it. But uh, when we're talking about uh, Celtic and we're talking about the Dubai trip, Andy Cleland talks about Dubai was a massive error of judgment, absolutely, from senior management. Rangers breach was five young guys who are young numpties. Um, absolutely, but... I mean, when we're looking at consistency, we are looking about when Celtic obviously were were viewed um, under the the whole ball and golly gate, uh, Colin, and obviously what happened there. I mean, we're only just getting round to playing that second game tonight. You know, that is, yeah. it's actually it's darkened our entire season. It's been one of many of the factors that has affected our season and it's kind of been hanging over us uh, throughout the season, hasn't it, in relation to the two games we weren't able to play. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how the joint response group and um, how the authorities actually deal with, with the latest breach. But yeah, it does look as though it's five fringe players at Ibrox who were involved in that. Of course, they need to go over to, to Antwerp. I mean, in, in relation to how this is going and I will say again we won't give up just yet says Neil Lennon it's really all about this professional pride Colin it's about making sure that uh, this 21 points which has become 18 points becomes 15 points tonight and we can ensure that the run of games that we have we can look after them and at least get it down to single figures because anything else is just you know, it, it's already going to be an embarrassment because of the way that we have dealt with um, what we have control of this season, which is the football side of it. Um, but I mean, you, you really have to cut that gap. It can't be double figures. It can't be twenty-one points. You know, and uh, I think obviously that's already started with the reasonable run that we're on. But I'm not getting too carried away with that. It will be interesting to see how close that gap can be. No, I mean, a, a biggest kind of factor behind why Celtic fans are so disappointed this season is it wasn't even as if we offered a challenge we've, we've kind of gave up the ghost sort of late October early November into December and then it's just kind of got worse and worse as the seasons went on 
see if it was coming down to the last couple of games and it was neck and neck and you were going ahead and then Rangers played and then they go ahead and then they drop points and Celtic take advantage. That's the kind of season that a lot of people really enjoy. Me, I'd rather be in this position where you're 20 points clear and you're already looking forward to it. But there was a, a massive kind of thing about going to the game, you had the game on the radio, say Rangers were playing, you had their game on the radio because it's a close game, you're hoping for them to drop points, and then you go to Celtic Park and you're hoping that you can take advantage of that, and vice versa. It's the kind of thing that makes football exciting, but this season Celtic's just not put a challenge in. There's never been any point this season where you thought, oh, do you know what, we're really right up for this. And it's the kind of, the fact that we are sitting here um, in the middle of February, so far behind, most people have probably given up on the title. That's the biggest disappointment this season. If it had been really, really close, then who knows what would have happened. And well, this if you'd lose the 10 because of one point here or there, we'd all be talking about that one game that caused it. But we'd also be looking forward to getting the title back next season. We're at the stage now where we're saying this is a complete rebuild that we need from the club because of the collapse that we've had this season. No, you're right, and we'll be covering it, Colin, um, every step of the way on a Celtic state of mind, because obviously we do go out every weekday, we also cover every single game, which means that over a weekend we, we generally put out at least one or uh, three broadcasts over a weekend, but on the same day. Maravchik25 comes in to say, remember how highly thought of Stevie Clark was by Jose Mourinho in his prime, and he conducts himself with professionalism at all times. I mean, there's absolutely no denying that Stevie Clark would be an upgrade on what we currently have. I mean, in terms of uh, the tactical ability of Stevie Clark and, um, you know, what he has achieved um, himself as a manager, having obviously all this, uh, you know, this previous experience of working with great coaches at great teams and, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool. And you look at his time at West Brom at Chalbion, and I know it didn't end well there, but, you know, he, he took the West Brom up to the, you know, the top eight for large, large periods of that season. His first season, that would be. And then obviously the, the job that he did at Kilmarnock. But the one thing I keep also going back to is uh, Stevie Clark's uncle was Jim Clark, who was part of the Quality Street Gang. Now, people won't see that name, you know, along the same lines as Kenneth Alglish, Lou McCarry, David A., George Conley, and others, Danny McGrain was part of that team. Um, but he was, one of the, he was one of the players who came through the ranks at Celtic, and that's Stevie Clark's uncle, uh, Jim, who contributed to that book when I was writing it and came along to the, the launch as well. So there's, there's links within the family. There are Celtic links. My biggest concern on the Stevie Clark question would be would he actually want the job, Amy? He's spoken previously about, you know, he's glad he got out of Glasgow and out of Scotland when he did, and he took his family and his daughters didn't see the sectarianism that um, he obviously was subject to of when he came back as Kilmarnock boss. So that that's a big concern for me. I don't know if he would swap what he's got for the job at Celtic. What's your thoughts? I don't see him swapping. Um, I don't, I really don't. I think he'd be one of these... I think he'd want to. Obviously, it depends what happens this summer at the Euros. But no matter what, I can't. I can't see him walking away from Scotland job because no matter what, this is still a massive summer for him. If it goes up to pot or if it goes fantastic, well, no matter what, he's got. He's got it there, and that's terrific. And he, there's no way. No matter what happens at the Euros, this, the, the Scotland aren't going to sack him. That's not going to happen. So he'd need to walk. And would he really walk from the Scotland job to come back? So and like you say, into an arena which is so rife, and he made so public that he wanted to get away from that. I don't see that happening. Um, I think you're spot on. I think it'd be totally down to him. I don't think it'd be down to the club. I think if if he said yes, and the club have to say yes, um, it's not it's not the other way around. Um, it's all in the ball's very much in his court. I'd say um, because he's the he's the more appealing deal. I think um, than. Uh, he's more appealing to Celtic than Celtic's more appealing to him and I think that's quite sad that we're saying that but I think fundamentally that's true not because of the size of the club and the size of the job but because of what he wanted away from because he made it so public um, after Kilmarnock that he wanted out of Glasgow and he'd be throwing himself right back into the cauldron there 
Uh, absolutely now let's not forget Hugh Jameson reminds us we'd be good to actually enjoy the match tonight we'll be back half an hour before the game kicks off so we'll be back at 5.30 this evening for Axom on match day we'll be talking about team selection and the action at half time and also at full time thanks everybody for getting involved oh, via Twitter Facebook and YouTube Colin uh, uh, yeah, aye, we're getting all yeah, the hand sorry. gestures but by the way I just want... by, but, uh, right on you go <laughs> Sorry, I, I just wanted to bring this point up before we finish up for today and it's a nice positive um, story to finish on. I was contacted this morning by a Celtic fan who wanted to highlight the story of um, Patrick Joyce who's a 16-year-old um, autistic uh, person living in Glasgow and he is personally handwriting 5,000 cards um, to send out to um, people within the healthcare that have helped out during this pandemic um, and if anyone wants to find out about the story um, or has someone they'd like to nominate for one of these cards, um, please take a look at my Twitter. You'll see the story. It was on Glasgow Live. Um, and it's a, a heartwarming story to finish off today's podcast on. Great one. Well done, Colin. Yeah, get on that. Retweet it. And uh, is it on your page as well? Colin, have you retweeted that story from Glasgow uh-huh, Live? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So get into Colin's Twitter and get that retweeted. And if you are watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe. We are closing in on the 10,000 mark, which is incredible because we had under 500, I think, back in July. So loads of subscribers and it's all free charge. All that's left for me to say is thank you, Colin Watt. Thank you, Amy Canavan, for joining me once again on the Celtic State of Mind. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.